Hello, everybody, and welcome to the newest episode of the Moderately Athletic Podcast. I am your host, Sam Wontok, and as always, I am joined by my lovely co-hosts, Tyler Noctical and Ethan Decker. Fellas, how are we doing tonight? Well, I'm doing good tonight, you know. Had a had a nice little bowl of ice cream to to start this uh, podcast, or before we start the podcast, I should say. I got a pretty big sweet tooth, and there's cookies and cream, so it just hit the spot after a long day, but ready to talk some ball. Yeah, that sounds very good, Tyler. That yeah. sounds very good, but um, I, I'm definitely feeling I'm definitely feeling some effects of cut down day. Mm. <clears throat> My Vikings and specifically Kwesi Adolfo Mensa shocked me with a couple of his moves that he's made in cutting Armand Watson and Amir Smith Marset the past two days, but you know what? Not gonna rip him too much yet. First first cut down day for him as a GM, so so the moves pan out. Yeah. But you really hit the nail on the head, Decker, with our current plan for our for our episode. We're going to be doing mostly news coverage because because as of this recording being Wednesday, August 31st at 10:12 p.m., uh, there have been a lot of moves going on around the league in terms of players getting released and then players getting picked up by the waivers. Uh, um, we have about 21. Uh, bullet points that we're going to cover tonight, tonight for for the news, and we're going to share our thoughts. And uh, yeah, we'll keep it going here. But let's start off with possibly the biggest surprise that I think happened during this off season. We all thought that this person would be traded, but they're sticking around for one more year, and that is Jimmy G's contract has been restructured with the Niners, keeping him as the backup for one one more season. There is no trade clause and. Uh, no, uh, I think it's a release clause, so he he's there and he's staying. Guys, what do we think about it? I think it's and I think it's a good move for the 49ers. Obviously, you, you want to get as much value out of your players as you can and you know, they really really wanted to trade Jimmy G, but no one came up for a buyer and um, it it surprised me because like I saw two Adam Schefter tweets and one was there is practically no uh, market trade market for Jimmy Garoppolo and then one like posted 15 minutes later was there's a trade market for QB Mason Rudolph and I'm like what world are we living in that where teams would rather trade for Mason Rudolph than Jimmy Garoppolo and then I remember the contracts that they both have so. Um, but ultimately, I think this is a really good move for both Jimmy G and uh, the 49ers because, you know, they are in a very win-now scenario. They need, um, and God forbid, uh, Trey Lance goes down, but Jimmy G, he's been there. He's led them to a Super Bowl already. I shouldn't say led them. He's He's been on a Super Bowl caliber team, um, and, you know, he didn't really mess up until the last game. Uh, being the Super Bowl, so you know he's got the experience to do it, and um, I think I there might be some like deep down animosity between Jimmy G and Trey Lance, but I don't think um, Garoppolo is the kind of guy to hold it pat uh, hold it to Trey Lance because he knows it's probably more of a, a company thing, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's got a good enough head on his shoulders where he knows, like, he's just got to stay healthy this year and he can go play ball next year. And, you know, like I said, God forbid Trey Lance gets hurt. He's 
a good backup and he's getting paid uh, <laughs> to be a good backup. You know, he's the highest paid backup in the league now. So, and, you know, if I'm, well, this is speaking for me, if I'm the highest paid backup in the NFL, I'm happy because that means minimal work and, like, maximizing on profit. So, I think Definitely. it's a good move. Yeah, no, yeah. for sure. Uh, Deck, you want to play devil's advocate or, or no? Are you feeling yeah, no, the same way? Yeah, no, Tyler said everything everything correct. I mean, Jimmy G pretty much knew in his camp knew that he was not going to get traded. There's nobody going to be out there um, that was going to trade for him in his market. Like he said, it was very cold. And, you know, he gets to stay on a contending team instead of going to a, you know, a team where he could have been on a, on a rebuilding team for, for anything. And then, you know, his camp ends up getting him a contract to become, you know, highest paid backup in the league. And he gets to stay and continue. And it's also very helpful for Trey Lance because you get to keep Jimmy G as a mentor to you and, Jimmy G is obviously um, a guy that's been there in the Super Bowl and 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 you know won a Super Bowl as a backup with uh, with Brady and um, so Jimmy G's been there and he, he and, and a big year for Trey Lance and a big breakout type year for him he gets to gets to keep a mentor there instead of a a random back a random backup like Nate Sudfeld or someone that hasn't been there so yeah, like, yeah. a win for both sides. Imagine yeah, we see like a like a 2017 Eagle season for the. 49ers where Trey Lance has this MVP caliber season and then and then come playoff times he gets hurt uh oh who's the journeyman backup I guess I wouldn't label him a journeyman but who's the backup ready to fill his shoes oh it's Jimmy Garoppolo and you know I could see that happening they got a good enough defense and a good enough offensive supporting cast to for that scenario to play out would be cool storyline wise yeah, the NFL script writers would be salivating for you know Jimmy G to get his redemption arc as a backup in the Super Bowl. I think, I think if that's the case, you might see a Niners Chiefs Super Bowl or something like that. Uh, but uh, yep, so that's definitely good news for them. And there's more good news for um, for another team in the NFC, which is the Philadelphia Eagles. They traded for Chauncey Gardner Johnson, who will most likely be playing in the slot next to two uh, two. Uh, Two other very good corners being um, Slay and James Bradbury. Um, guys, how are we feeling about this move? Do we think that this affects uh, the uh, Saints more or the Eagles more in terms of what they received? Yeah, I think this could. I think this could be more beneficial for the Eagles for sure, just because I think their you know their most glaring weakness on on defense now, or at least one of them. I mean, linebacker. Adding Kobe Dean and then getting Hassan Reddick off the edge is definitely definitely big for that group, but safety was definitely noticeably weak per se for them. I mean, Anthony Harris, as we knew with the Vikings, has his good moments and has his bad moments. Um, Marcus Epps, who's their starting um, strong safety right now, I believe, is um, I saw Peter Schrager actually list him as a, one of his breakout players for this year, and, and Marcus Epps could be in for a big year. But um, I think what I'm hearing is that. I think Garner Johnson, who who did more of the, he would go for, go from safety, go to the slot in New Orleans. I'm thinking now he more he more so goes to the, just strictly safety because you know you got your boundary corners and Slay and uh, Bradbury for sure, but I think keeping Gardner Johnson at safety is obviously I think the move they're going to end up doing with because then they traded for. Gardner Johnson, then immediately afterwards cut Anthony Harris. Mm-hmm. So th- to me, that signals like it's just going to be immediately immediate step in, and Gardner Johnson is definitely the better player in that situation. You know, Anthony yeah. Harris, had, like I said, has his moments ups and downs, but mm-hmm. 
Gardner Johnson is just a more impactful player. He's younger. He's um comes with comes from a winning pedigree in, in New Orleans or from a good defense. And you know, Howie Roseman, the guys the guys obviously obviously has ups and downs. He, he's he's has bad moments for sure as a GM. He's and I, I think right now he's just in the midst of he's in a good streak because this is this is a great move for them again. You know, solidifying a getting stronger at a position and then you know adding James Bradbury to that corner group this off season and then bringing in. Uh, Jordan Davis in the draft and the Kobe Dean to address the D line and, and add to the D line and add to the linebacker room. Yeah, this is just, I just I'm just impressed. I'm just pretty impressed by Howie Roseman right now. He's just doing he's doing really good things for that Eagles team. Yeah, and mm-hmm. another another thing just to say that other than the Anthony Harris cut that's going to push put um, Garner Johnson in the at safety is they got Avante Maddox at slot corner already and he's very very solid in there. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe an emergency or a, in different packages they might move him down to another slot corner, but I'm pretty sure that he's going to be playing high safety. Yeah, I mean, obviously both of those scenarios would uh, make sense, but they, but they definitely added a good piece there. Um, yeah, and, and like, Bradbury's a good player, but he's definitely not who he used to be, so just putting better players around him is definitely, you know, obviously going to be beneficial, so... Um, their cornerbacks are getting up there in age. Like Slay played really well last year, um, and you know we have to let's see if he can do it again a year older. And Bradbury just has to, you know, play better than last year because he was definitely a step down than what he usually plays as. So yeah, just yeah. you know they have probably the most complete roster in football right now. The Eagles do and. I would say the two quarterbacks that are under the most pressure right now is definitely Jalen Hurts now and Tua because those guys are two young guys and they have all the pieces around them to win. Now they just got to see if they can do it. Yeah, definitely. That's definitely going to be something that they're going to want to watch because uh, they were kind of thinking moving um, kind of moving on from Hurts um, last year, but they definitely kept kept them around. So it's definitely a, I think a prove it year for for Hurts especially. Um, Definitely. And so now to move on, um, we have some news coming out of Carolina. Uh, the Panthers traded for Jaguars receiver LaVisca Chenault. And, of course, that move is fine. Like, you know, uh, there's been a lot of receivers moving around today. Um, but uh, do we think that this will have any impact on where um, Mr. – what's his name? Uh, it's Robbie Anderson. Where do we think – do we think that he's going to stay in place, or if not, where do we think Robbie Anderson might 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 be going that better suits his skills and would give the Panthers some value in return? Do you know what they traded uh, for um, Chenault? I th- I can't remember. I think it was all draft capital. Um, I should have written that down. Uh, <laughs> no, you're good. I'm looking yeah. it up right now. Uh, cool, 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 cool. Um, it was a. I cannot find it. Oh, here it is. Oh. Just kidding. I can't find it. Well, whatever it was, uh, it probably uh, wasn't that so much. Of twenty twenty three seventh round pick and a twenty twenty fourth sixth round pick. Six. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's pennies. Yeah. So, yeah, pennies. Um, I dealt like any of those draft picks make the roster so basically yeah pennies and you know Chanel I believe got drafted in the second round um, mm-hmm. in his year and he had a lot of promise coming out of Colorado 
Um, and I actually wanted the Packers to draft him uh, the year that he was coming out. So I know a little bit about his skill set. He's like a he's like a Debo. He could be like a Debo esque. He's like a bigger built guy, and um, you know, obviously he wasn't able to show it in Jacksonville. Um, and now he's got Baker thrown to him in, um, in Carolina. So, you know, he might not still be the best. Isn't an upgrade from Robbie Anderson or Terrence Marshall? Who's to say? You know, we haven't seen a whole lot from those guys. I mean, it's it it's like, you know, bad quarterback to mediocre quarterback can only do so, so much for you. And... Um, I think, you know, he slots in as the wide receiver three or four on that team right now, depending on how they see uh, Terrence Marshall. But nevertheless, wide receiver depth is, like, very important. So I I definitely think it's a good move for Carolina, especially as they um, try to just beef up that offense a little bit more as their defense is okay. So Yeah. Yeah, you got you to gotta think maybe that – one of Robbie Robbie Anderson or Terrence Marshall goes. Mm-hmm. And I would, if I had to put money, I'd probably say Robbie Anderson just because Terrence Marshall entering year two. Yeah, want to see a little bit more from him. You kind of know what you get from Robbie Anderson. I but would agree. Kind of hope for the. You, you kind of hope maybe Chanel does something with the opportunity. Obviously, you know he had high hopes with Jacksonville. He was you know um, what was that twenty twenty he got drafted. So that first year and into even last year he was at one point wide receiver two I believe up in that category behind Marvin Jones. And now in Jacksonville, he just got absolutely buried. I mean, you, you you still got Marvin Jones. You bring in Krishna Kirk. They brought in Zay Jones. I mean, the list goes on. He just got ended up going farther and farther down that depth chart. So, you know, maybe a maybe a fresh start in a receiving room with with um, obviously DJ Moore slotted in at number one. But if Robbie or Terrence Marshall goes, you know, he has a he has a chance to you know feel comfortable in his role and, and, and try to do something with it and succeed. Yeah, yeah. and I think like Robbie Anderson. Will probably not have like that much obviously trade appeal but like mm-hmm. a depth piece like he's a lot like like Will Fuller who hasn't even been signed by a team yet just like a mm-hmm. burner deep threat so I think a team who needs one of those like like I, the Packers need one of those for sure do I want to trade for Robbie Anderson no but you know teams <laughs> Um, I think, like, you know, just wide receiver needy teams. Maybe the Texans just throw a dart at Robbie Anderson to help uh, Davis Mills. So, I mean, I'm sure there's a market out there seeing how Lavishka got traded and he's still not proven anything. So, I mean, you have to think Anderson, who's a vet, would have a market. So, Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I could definitely see somebody like the Texans. Uh Granted, actually, uh, going to my next um, next player point, uh, yeah, the Texans are scooping up a lot of receivers uh, um, the past couple days. Uh, for example, the Buccaneers uh, dropped uh, Tyler Johnson out of Minnesota, and the Houston Texans picked him up off of the waivers. Um, well, Decker, you're a big Minnesota uh, sports guy. Uh, so what do you think that the Texans will be getting out of still young and promising receiver Tyler Johnson. <laughs> yeah, this this one hurt a lot for me. When when I saw that the Bucks when the Bucks cut him, it was definitely a surprising one. Just because the future of I mean, obviously Julio seems just he's going to be a one and done there. Um, 
you know the future of you know long-term future of Evans and Godwin there and, and obviously Russell Gage won't be a long-term fixture there but you know Tyler Johnson ended up getting buried obviously with a stack receiver room like that but I just love I mean he was a he, he's from he's from Minneapolis and we went to Minneapolis North High School dominated there played for the Gophers had a great run there and then got drafted in the fifth round, I believe it was, in 2020 by the by the Bucks. And, you know, he showed times, you know, obviously he, him and Brady had some differences where they were off a little bit on their connection, but um, he still showed a lot of promising moments. Obviously, he's not the, uh, out of the both Gophers that got drafted that year by the Bucks and, and Winfield and Johnson, obviously Winfield, the more prominent player, but I still like what Johnson can do in the future. Um, but if the Texans just we I think we were twelfth in the waiver order and Texans were you know high up in the waiver order I can't remember exactly what spot but Texans beating us out to that that one kind of hurt because I would have loved to have seen Johnson get a chance to come back home be a, like our wide receiver five mm-hmm. and obviously you know the Vikings kind of did some other moves in that which yeah. we get to Vikings sure picked later, up but, another wide receiver five or yeah. trade but we're not there receiver. yet on the document all right we have to wait a okay. little bit okay sorry sorry um, no that's okay yeah I'll let, you, I'll let you segue into this I've now. got it all well, planned out. I'll just say on the point of the Texans and you know just talking about like Robbie Anderson and now Tyler Johnson going there you know it it doesn't hurt the Texans just it, it's dart throwing for them they they just got to see what sticks and mm-hmm. you know like like Decker said, Johnson showed a little promise in Tampa. So, I mean, even if he turns out to be like, you know, just a backup wide receiver, that's totally totally fine by the te- by the by Texan standards. So, mm-hmm. I think it's a good pickup nonetheless, to, just to get a wide receiver that you can develop. So, yeah, exactly, because it's definitely gonna be interesting to see what he can do, not being buried on a depth chart, because the only guy in front of him is probably Brandon Cooks. So. It's going to be interesting to see like, what he could do with possibly a larger target share. Um, and, and now to move on, um, we have some news in the tight end department today. Um, starting off with the Bills releasing O.J. Howard. He is, a, I think, a fourth-year tight end out of Alabama, and he was currently working out with the Bengals. He hasn't been signed yet, but it sounds like if his physical goes well, he's going to be signed. And then to... I even add to certainty, um, while the Bengals released the son of Randy Moss, Thaddeus Moss, who is also a tight end. Um, I mean, obviously, uh, Thaddeus hasn't been able to prove himself very much. But, um, yeah, do we think that perhaps Howard will find a place to stick in the Bengals' offense? Um, You know, I, I always wanted... OJ Howard to be good, you know, but he just I think just the fact that he got cut by the Bills when they have Dawson Knox as their tight end one who himself is pretty undersized for a tight end position and you know, it just kind of goes to show that OJ Howard probably isn't the best player anymore. Um and you know, his draft capital would say otherwise, but you know, he was drafted a long time ago, so uh, I don't, I don't, I honestly couldn't tell you, though, who the better tight end is in Cincinnati now between him and Hurst. Um, I would think it's Hurst, but, you know, I, um, it just comes down to what they need out of that player. You know, who's the better run blocker? I think whoever the better run blocker is is going to see the field more often. I think that's just how it's going to be. Yeah, especially the with blocker. The I should say blocker, just in general. Sorry. 
Yeah, with the amount of receivers they have, I definitely think that, that the tight end might take more of a backs back seat mm-hmm. in the passing game anyways. Decker, what are your thoughts on the O. J. Howard? <laughs> yeah. This one kinda this one kinda came back in to bite me. I, I know I, I know I talked with you about this, Sam. I might have with you as well, Tyler, but you know, I was I was I had some high hopes for Hayden Hurst this year. I, I took him in fantasy football with my last draft pick. I'm like my thought process behind it was, you know, Hayden Hurst was a first round pick in Baltimore. Obviously, he ended up being in the same draft as Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews came out to be the better player in that in that deal. And Hurst then goes to Atlanta. You know, fresh start for him, a former first round pick. Last year, obviously, they ended up drafting a generational tight end in, in Kyle Pitts. So this year, coming to Cincinnati, I'm going, man, Hayden Hurst, high high scoring offense, which should be this year, with great receivers around it, great great passer in Joe Burrow. So I figured, you know what, Hayden Hurst has a fresh start. He's by himself in that tight end room. Maybe he can do something special. Obviously, now they bring in OJ Howard, which, like Tyler said, you know he's a former. Te- I think he was actually the number ten pick in his, in his mm-hmm. draft class, and mm-hmm. and um, he. I just think at this point he's just. I, I think it's just he'll be probably bouncing around. I I think if the Bills could, you know, the Bucks obviously he kind of got buried behind Braid, and then when Gronk got there, and and the hope was for him that you know maybe the Bills can can untap something that's still there. And I think with them ultimately cutting him, I, I I just don't think there's much for him anymore as a player to be this, you know possible Pro Bowl tight end. I think he's just, however long he plays in the NFL now, I think he'll just now be either a, you know, average starter or just a, or just a plain backup, which obviously is a little sad to see, but I think that's just the reality of uh, OJ. Yeah. But as far as the Bengals, you know, maybe it's, we'll have to see how it plays out between, about, between him and Hurst. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. in all honesty, it's like, yeah, Hurst is now like a, um, like, t- or, going to be playing in Cincinnati but they've had Drew Sample there for a couple of years now and he's a actually a pretty good blocker himself so like if we see like more heavy sets um I think Drew Sample is probably going to get most of the work um Hurst himself is not the best blocker he's definitely more of a pass catcher um mm-hmm. and you know I genuinely haven't seen enough from OJ Howard to, to tell you if he's a good enough like blocker um, to get in there. So, yeah, I think Drew Sample might be the guy in Cincinnati. Yeah, it's definitely possible. I, I, I'm looking at who has the most experience with that system. It's definitely Drew Sample right now, especially with C.J. Uzuma or yeah, something like Uzama. that. Uzama, thank you. Uh, yep. Moving on from the franchise, go to the Jets. Well, now to move on, we have uh, my little block of Vikings news. Um and we're going to start off with with the Vikings making uh, quite a surprising move. Uh, they released quarterback Kellen Mond, who was then picked up in the waivers by the Browns. And then the Browns subsequently released quarterback Josh Rosen, who is now trying to find his 16th team or whatever he's on right <laughs> now. So I guess I'm just curious, guys. Um, so what do we think about the Kellen Mond experience and... Uh, do we think Josh Rosen's going to end up somewhere else? Will he keep jumping around, living out of his um, little um, kind of like hobo uh, stick and uh, yeah. thing? Yeah, that thing. Um, so, yeah, thoughts on Mond and uh, Rosen? Yeah, I think um, I think the biggest takeaway with all this is just to show from the Vikings' perspective with Mond, 
Um, you know, Rick, um, Mike Zimmer was just pretty much right. You know, as as hard as it is to say, Rick Spielman just flat out whiffed on all these third round draft picks and all these yep. picks from the twenty twenty one class. I mean, <clears throat> trust me, when we drafted Mott, I was ecstatic. I just thought, you know, an SEC quarterback, big arm in college, mobile. He beat Joe Burrow in college at LSU, um, and back in twenty eighteen and. I thought for sure this guy could end up becoming a at least a competent backup by year two, and you know poss- possible Kirk Cousins replacement if if all went right. But you know the kid just it's sad to see, but you know he's he just doesn't have it. I just don't see him doing much in this league at all. It's something's not clicking. It, it, he can he can barely hold on to a snap in practice. He can't he he just doesn't seem to begin plays. And, and even when receivers wide open, he's missing them. Something about Mond is just the. I think the NFL stage is just too big for him. I, you know, Stefanski can try and take a try and take a hit with him um, in Cleveland, but I just don't see him lasting around much. I don't think there's much there. And and then as far as the Rosen standpoint, I'm sure he'll end up in, ending up on a practice squad or something. But <laughs> <laughs> that if you want to talk about an, an even bigger mess than Mond, Josh Rosen would be it because this guy was the number ten overall pick in 2018 and. He is uh, a complete, complete bust. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, as a Packers fan, you know, you hear, like, right after the draft, like, oh, my God, the Vikings just had an A-plus draft. Holy crap. This is back in 2021. And, you know, mm-hmm. looking back on it, it's like, man, what? Like, like, not saying that the Packers draft any better, but... There's just a lot of whiffs on this and hard whiffs. Like, has Wyatt Davis played any games for you guys? Wyatt Davis never played a game, and he also got cut. Yep, yesterday. he got cut and as well. There was something majorly. He had, he got injured in the last game of his career at Ohio State, mm-hmm. and something something's lingering there where he is. Wyatt Davis is just as awful. I, I want to say the only two. Well, is Bynum still on the team? Yeah, oh, Bynum yeah. is going to be there. a week one. Starter. So you still got Kenny. Bynum and Jalen Twyman, right? That's about it. From no, that Twyman also got cut. released. Twyman also Twyman okay. got cut, but ended up on the practice squad. So, at at that draft class, the only ones that really stick out is obviously Darisaw first round. Uh, Patrick Jones will be a rotational edge rusher. Oh, Jones. Kenei will be okay. kick returner, and then Cam Bynum will be a week one starter. But out of those four, that's that's about it. Man, it's. <clears throat> It, not to say it's not satisfying to see, like, just that that then the draft that everyone was praising to just kind of implode when this new regime comes in. It's, it is, it is satisfying to see that as a Packers fan. Well, may, and it's well, more of well, like an I, I told you so, too. Well, well, if I may say something, uh, whenever I think about... Um, you know, ah, uh, yeah, we only got like four good players from this draft. Uh, we, we, we. You would say they're drafting. four good players. You would say they're four good players. Four, four players that are on the you roster. Would, you would define Kenny Nwangu as four. You would define Kenny Nwangu as good. Yeah, guy could be. You a, would. Dude oh could be a pro, pro, pro. You would return. define Cameron if, Bynum as good. Cam Bynum's a week one starter. He's a second year player. He could be good. I genuinely believe that. Okay. Could be good. Ma- Listen to yourself. Could be uh, good. Okay. Well, 
I mean, the flashes that we got to see last year, um, we started that one game, I think it was against the, the Rams, right? Or the Ravens where he picked up Lamar. Oh, yeah, Ravens. Yeah, see? he. Um, I mean, he's shown some flashes. Um, he's definitely a guy that clearly if we're... I'm, I mean, clearly, if he's getting the starting job, he's he um I mean, showing a lot of good, um, and uh, so yes, I would say we have four good players, maybe three if you don't want to count Kenne, since Buddy could be a possible Pro Bowl returner. Perhaps if we're going to say that Devin Hester can get in the Hall of Fame, you can call a good returner a good player. I believe that, but. Uh. If I may continue, I was just going to add that while the Vikings don't draft the best in the league, at the very least, we are not the Raiders. Because the Raiders drafted... I mean, that's fair. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because, because but it's the like, Raiders drafted... It's like, oh. as, as a Packers fan, you just see this like bubble around Vikings drafts the past couple of years. Oh my god, the Vikings did it again. They just had this amazing draft. And then you look at the Packers. Oh, Packers just had such a mediocre draft. Packers, I would say, definitely drafted four good players in the 2021 draft. Definitely. Name them. Like, there's no Name debating. Them. Name them. Name them. Eric Stokes, Josh Myers... Amari Rogers, Royce Newman. Those are our top four picks. Who's Amari Rogers again? He's the receiver. Receiver returner. Hmm. Not to mention we just traded Cole Van Lannen, who was a sixth round pick. We got pennies for him. But um and then Kylan Hill in the last you know, he if he didn't get hurt, he would be our third string back. He's actually pretty I would call him good. He's decent. Um he's very, very shifty. He could develop into something. But that right there, those are four good players, okay? I think it's hilarious how you named your fourth string running back as a good player, but then I named, like, a starter, and you're like, oh, he's trash. Did I? I I said he was decent. I didn't say he was good. I said he was decent. No, but I actually named a good post. Okay, I I I saw Kylan Hill. I'm like, oh, he's decent as for a seventh-round pick because usually seventh-round picks – get cut. They don't usually make the roster. Kylan Hill made the roster because he's actually decent. Okay? Okay. We got a little Good talk. track. Now, Thank you. May but I my point still stands. My point still stands. I think the Packers had the better draft. Okay? One year. Okay. Um, now, if we may continue to the next bullet point, we have, we have the Raiders, who... Uh, released their first round pick from a, I think it was a year ago, right? Twenty twenty or twenty twenty one? It was Alex Leatherwood, and uh, he was very quickly picked up by the Bears, who yeah. will take really anyone at this point to play on their line. Um, so I guess, do we think that that there will be any kind of career uh, saving power by the Chicago Bears? Or do we think that Leatherwood will be uh, just another brick in the wall of hopefully J- Justin Fields won't die? No, he's going to yeah. get cut. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't see him lasting long at all. It's just, no. you know, just to look at the from the Raiders side of all this. <clears throat> when you look back at the Mike Mayock era, obviously, you know, decent guy to have in the NFL Network broadcast booth for many years. But when he took over as GM in 2018... You look at his first-round draft picks that he had. To list them off, 
It was Colton Miller. Okay. Colton Miller. Hit. Still, still, good. Good. Still, very still good, good tackle. For them. Very good mm-hmm. tackle. After that, it gets very, very dicey. 2019, you have three first-round picks. Cleveland Furl, Josh Jacobs, Jonathan Abram. All denied. All of them are still on the team. All denied. All declined. The, yeah, fifth-year options. Yep, all got declined fifth-year options. <clears throat> you look at 2020, even worse, Henry Ruggs. Oh. Good potential. Obviously did. Obviously had a very, very bad off-the-field issue. And even, you know, maybe not as bad as an off-the-field issue as Henry Ruggs, because obviously Henry Ruggs ended up, you know, killing someone. But mm-hmm. Damon Arnett, cornerback <laughs> out of Ohio State, twice being arrested um, since he, since he was drafted. Obviously, um, the first one was is the threatening video, video he had that had him get cut, and then afterwards mm-hmm. got in trouble again. And then last year with Alex Leatherwood, who just a year later is cut. Um, so... The Mike Mayotte picks were awful, awful picks, and um, you just, you just got to shake your head at just just the Raiders in general because that, that is just awful to be able to, to whiff on that many picks. But, mm-hmm. yeah, to go back on the Leatherwood, I just I can't see him turning into much, you know. Yeah. The Bears obviously just don't, I mean, have, a, don't have a good hit. This team. just yeah. – the, the – the, Raiders are so fortunate that they have Colton Miller because if they didn't, they would definitely be with the Bears and having a bottom five offensive line. The Bears most definitely have a bottom five offensive line, if not the worst in football. And this signing of Alex Leatherwood just speaks to that, to their, like, just how desperate they really are. So, but to put into context, like, they, the Raiders drafted Alex Leatherwood, who was who many believe, people thought to be like a second to third round pick. They drafted him behind or in front of your beloved Christian Darrisaw, who I thought at the time was the much better prospect. Also, same with Landon Dickerson, who's had a decent role in Philly, and Tevin Jenkins, who eh, well now we see he might get cut in or traded in Chicago, but also who we thought. He was better. So, you know, it's it's just the con- – it was the consistent misses that makes the Raiders organization just so laughable when it comes to draft season, man. It was mm-hmm. – it's just so bad. And you know what? I hated the Devontae Adams move, but good on them for realizing that they suck at drafting because, you know, if it takes four draft picks to pick, get, a, get a player, Devontae Adams caliber – go for it especially if you're the Raiders when you suck at drafting so yeah because yeah. because because definitely really bad when you're like watching the draft each year and then like the guys who are you know commentating on it because they're usually like very positive about the players that are picked and I remember like you know when Cleveland Furrow was taken and when Leatherwood was taken uh most of the time they even comment about how uh they were they were picked way higher than than their projection, yeah. and they know obviously it shows because because mm-hmm. both are probably not going to be on the team by uh, yeah next well, the year. One, the one this year was Cole Strange, so I'm excited to see how he turns out in New England. Yeah, but Bills yeah. B- B- Bills are really smarter than yeah. Mike Mayock, so hopefully that does yeah. work out for them. Even looking back at their other you know Mike Mayock's drafts. <clears throat> You go back to 2019, obviously, the Furl, Jacobs, Abram, um, first-round picks, all of them having their fifth-year decline. 
They just traded their second round pick from that year in Trayvon Mullen to the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. But yeah, afterwards, totally forgot about that. Afterwards, the mid rounds, you know, Mayak actually did pretty good. Max Crosby in the fourth round, yeah. Foster Moreau, who's a who's a you know competent backup, Darren Waller, fourth round as well, and then Hunter Renfro, uh, great slot receiver in the fifth, and then. 2020, you know, like I said, with the Rugs and Arnett picks, who are both gone as well, Lynn Bowden was a third-round pick for them, who they traded before he even suited up in a game for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Brian Edwards was a third-round pick, and he also just got traded after year two. So, yeah, Mike Mayock is that entire Raiders draft history is just broken clock is, is right see. twice a day, or yeah. three yeah. times in one draft, I guess you could say. Yeah. Well. Um, that is the news that we wanted to cover this week. Um, and, uh, I mean, obviously there were a lot of moves, but those were the ones that, that we thought were the highlights. But we have a have another segment that we, we want to run by you guys today, and that is our uh, end of the preseason hot takes. So we've all prepared three hot takes for you today. Um, we have our least hot. We have our, you know, middle hot. We're getting a little spicy in the kitchen. And then we got our, our you know, boom, the uh, bomb in your mouth kind of hot takes. So mm, Yeah, um, that's how we I define think, a hot take. Boom, the yeah. bomb in your mouth kind of hot take. Yeah, put that on a t-shirt. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so I believe the best, best way to do this, we can obviously change it if you boys want to, but I mean, I think that we could all share our least hot, then we all share our middle hot, and then we share our bomb in your mouth hot. So yeah, uh, that's our sounds good. Okay, so I'm fine to start with my uh, least hot, like most plausible hot take, and that is that um, I believe that there is that there is that there that there's a high chance that the quarterback that will lead the league in touchdowns this year will be. Kirk Cousins. Hear me out. Oh my God. Hear me out. 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 Right? KOC has turned us from a run first offense to a pass first offense. Kirk last year in a run first offense had 33 touchdowns, 10 behind Tom, who had 43. And now obviously 10 is a pretty big number to be going in between. Um, but uh, Kirk has always been higher up in that echelon of touchdowns. I think in every year that he started, he's had higher than like 25. Uh, since since getting to the Vikings, he's had 28 uh, to 35 and 33. I think I'm missing a year. Uh, but anyways, I genuinely believe that in a pass-first offense, it's certainly possible. Uh, plus, like, it's it's not often that a QB gets that high of touchdowns usually looking like the high 30s so uh i certainly think for kirk kirk to lead the league in touchdowns is not out of their own possibility but it's still kind of spicy boys thoughts you know on the first episode when we talked about how you two are the vikings fans and i'm the single packer fan and i gotta try to like tame the two biases you might have and you do the same here sam that has got to be the most biased hot take i have ever heard in my life okay yes you don't listen to adam rank okay fair but 
Adam Rank aside, you got rightfully so. You have Justin Jefferson as your offensive player of the year, and now you got Kirk Cousins possibly being an MVP candidate with uh, with throwing the most touchdowns in the league. I personally just cannot see it behind that offensive line. I don't think they're going to give him enough time. I think it's you know obviously Justin Jefferson's going to do what he does and get what he gets, but I just don't think. And it comes down to, like, the elite status, you know. Is Kirk Cousins elite? Because that's who are that's the quarterbacks that are the guys that lead the league in touchdowns and yards and efficiency. And to me, as an unbiased Packer fan, Kirk Cousins is very good. Is he elite? I'm afraid not. So while it's a hot take, I can't see it happening. I think I should add quick that um, uh, that I, 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 I do think that that you know if Kirk is like is the highest in touchdowns, I definitely think he'll be like a Matthew Stafford type, where he will have like the thirty-eight to like forty touchdowns, but also a pretty high number in interceptions. Because the reason why I think that he's always like pretty high in touchdowns but doesn't get to like the highest level is because he's often too careful. And so I think to reach this level, he's going to have to be less careful. So, so, so I do think that if it happens, he'll be quite high in interceptions, which won't give him the MVP, but I think he could lead it in stats. Uh, Decker, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, Kirk, since 2015, Kirk's obviously had 25 or more touchdown passes in every year since 2015, but um, so you know, is for 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 ninety five. I'll say ninety percent sure this year that he'll be a twenty five or above. But uh, you know, it's just tough competition. You know, Patty's gonna get his touchdowns. Yeah. Rogers gonna get his touchdowns. Brady's gonna get his touchdowns. It's certainly Herbert. hot, a hot take. You know, yes. it's hot. You know, I, I don't want to say it can never happen because it's you know NFL injuries can happen. Players can perform for sure, but it's definitely very hot. And you know, we'll have to see how it plays out, Mister Sam. All right. Well. Uh, whose who's moderately hot take will we be getting to next? I'll Tyler, go. you go. I'll That's go. Okay, yeah, Tyler, I'll go. Tyler. Deck, you can end this round. Okay, so at the end of preseason, and we see the cuts, and, you know, if you're a fantasy football player, you've seen one name just shooting up boards recently, and that's Damian Pierce, the running back for the Texans. Um, you know, we gave our predictions for Offensive Rookie of the Year, or all the awards, I should say. And for Offensive Rookie of the Year, I had Christian Watson. Looking back on that now, I wish I could change it to Damian Pierce because, man, I think this guy has a great chance to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. You know, for a running back to do it, you know, you just got to be not only efficient with the ball, um, you got to be able to catch the ball, too. Damian Pierce... Um, in the preseason games that he had, he had like eleven touches or eleven rushes for like eighty six some eighty six yards, you know, which is insanely efficient on the ground. And he's proven that he's a good pass catcher. So, running behind this decent old line, he could definitely eclipse a thousand yards. And for a rookie running back in that situation, I definitely think that's enough to win him Offensive Rookie of the Year. And I think the great thing about this is, they're in the first round of this year's draft we saw so many wide receivers go and we saw the running backs go late and Damian Pierce wasn't even like one of the highest drafted running backs so that's why I think that this is like 
a sneaky dark horse pick for offensive rookie of the year being Damian Pierce. Yeah, that's certainly possible, and I really hope you're right because I have him in our fantasy league. Um, and I think the reason why none of us really chose running backs during our first predictions is because, because, because at that time there there really wasn't any running back that had that clear cut starter, because because it was like maybe Brees Hall, but Brees Hall's on the Jets, and then he had Kenneth Walker behind Rashad Penny and James Cook behind Singletary and Zach Moss, so that's why we uh, that's why I think we all went receiver for our predictions initially. But I think I definitely think that that's possible for Pierce, especially with Marlon Mack being released. So I, I'd love to see it. Deck or anything to well, add to that? Let me just let me just ask you this. Let's say Brees Hall, James Cook, and Kenneth Walker are all named starters on their team, but they still got the people behind them that are going to get their touches. And Damian Pierce is the clear-cut starter in Houston. Would you still not have Damian Pierce as your offensive rookie of the year? Because I'm pretty sure I would. Over all those running backs and over all those wide receivers. I just yeah. think that there's just such a clear workload for him, and he has such a great skill set. Yeah, no, because I definitely say that if we did name them all starters, the only one that could possibly eclipse him would be James Cook, simply because his supporting cast is better than, than all See, of them. See, I disagree. I disagree. I don't... I. James Cook just isn't an efficient enough runner. He's too small. I thought you were going to say, like, Brees Hall or Kenneth Walker because those guys are much better runners. But James Cook is just going to be a third-down passing back. Yeah. Sorry. I, not, no, no, that's okay. It's just I was looking at, like, supporting groups and, like, O-lines. And, I mean, I mean Cook, Cook's is definitely the strongest. But, but you know, with that being said, I would definitely still say, say that Pierce has, has the best, best shot since there is – Absolutely no competition besides, uh, yeah, the fossil that that is Rex Burkhead. Yes, Decker, anything yeah, to add to that one? Yeah, no, yeah, you, know, you guys hit right spot. I mean, the only competition now is you know Royce Freeman got cut today, and then Marlon Mack obviously yesterday. So it's only Rex Burkhead, and Rex Burkhead is really just you know a third down passing type option for them. So this is Damian Pierce's back for the lose. So. Yeah, I don't see Rex Burkhead taking any work from Damian Pierce. He's just such a great third down back as he's proven in the preseason and in college so yep i'm pretty I'm, for a hot take i'm actually pretty confident about this one not gonna lie yeah i mean i am too uh deck what uh what's your least spicy take of the evening okay yeah so for my first one it would be um one that's definitely rumored out there i, w- I won't say it would happen in season but definitely after season has been been thrown around for sure um, I'm going to go with Mike McCarthy gets fired midseason. Um, now, I know I said a couple episodes ago, I believe the last episode when we did our MC preview, um, I had Mike McCarthy, you know, pretty much going to be out after this year and maybe Jerry Jones goes big fish hunting with Sean Payton, so obviously still out there. You know, Sean Payton um, resigned from the Saints and then he's going to take this year off from coaching. But I think a year off and the next year coming back, hopefully rejuvenate for him. Um, I could just see Jerry Jones... Especially if the Cowboys are underperforming. Let's say, you know, obviously with, with CD going to be starting the year um, as the wide receiver one and, and really besides him and Schultz and then whenever Gallup comes back, those three as the receivers. Uh, you know, Zeke's definitely on the de- decline with and, and then with um, Pollard coming up with Zeke going down. And, you know, the O-line is a lot of questions with Tyron Smith and, and going down. And, you know, it's, it's just kind of a fluxer with that O-line right now. And then defensively, should take a step back this year. So 
there's definitely a lot of definitely a lot of things that could happen to the Cowboys where they could definitely be underperforming by midseason. And I think if if they are, you know, two games behind or so from the Eagles, if like the Eagles just get this fast start, they take control first, Cowboys are like five hundred or, you know, a game below and they're two or three games behind the Eagles. I could definitely see Jerry Jones just saying, you know what? We're gonna get rid of McCarthy, you know, maybe who knows, Kellen Moore goes in there as interim head coach or whatever to finish out or Dan Quinn to finish out the year. And then come next season Sean Payne comes in and and, and Jerry ends up getting his guy. But I think Mike McCarthy regardless will be on his way out. I just I'm gonna say that maybe the Cowboys go up to a slow start by like by week nine, week nine or ten, Mike McCarthy could be on his way out if if, if um, things go very wrong. Yeah, I just think there's def- too much. I just think there's too much talent on that team for them to fire their coach midway through season. Mostly, when you see a coach getting fired midway through season, it's when the roster is absolutely trash and they just need a culture change. But you know, I I like the take. Um, I think like regardless if it's midseason or not, I think McCarthy's out of there. But um, yeah, I don't think it'll be midseason. I don't think Jerry Jones is that hot headed. Yeah, I mean it's. Because I think, uh, kind of similar to what Tyler said, I feel like um, for 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 that to happen, not even like a roster thing, but I feel like they'd have to be at like a like really bad start. Like we're talking like one in six or something for him to get cut midseason. Because because I imagine Jerry Jones would be like, well, my roster is too good for one in six. It must be the coach, and then he would maybe make that change midseason. Uh, but I feel like. If they are going to hover around 500, which I think that's their floor with a roster like that, um, then I think McCarthy makes it through the whole year. Um, but it's definitely not impossible. But that's what the hot takes are for. Yeah, last we're trying time, to make so I looked it possible possible. Yeah, so last I looked it up, and the last time that's a Cowboys coach got fired midseason was Wade Phillips in 2010, when uh, the okay. Cowboys ended up starting. Ended up starting one and seven, and then Jason Garrett took over, and, and then he was there for a long time. So, mm-hmm. okay. you know, Jerry's done it before, but you know, we'll have to obviously wait and see how That's that fair. goes. I'm not saying the Cowboys will be one and a, or you know, or something. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll see. Um, all right. Well, those are the mildly spicy takes. Now we're gonna take her up a notch, and I'd be willing to start with this one. Um, yeah, go ahead. I have a defensive rookie of the year pick, and they are on the Detroit Lions. And their name is not Aiden Hutchinson. Maybe I'm riding on that hard knocks high, but I think that Malcolm Rodriguez could put up a stat pile big enough to get himself the defensive rookie of the year. When you think about it, when you think about it, um, he's already going to be a day one starter for that team. They have an easier record than most. Um um, I was looking at some of the stuff he did. Like, he was really good at moving around. Kind of reminded me of like a Luke Keekley kind of type where, where he can move around the field very well. Obviously, do I think he's as good of a player as Luke Keekley? Because I see your guys' reactions on my screen. I don't think he's Luke Keekley yet. But he can move around pretty well. Um, so, um, can he put up the stats to maybe get that done? Who knows? Um, I think that'd be Sam, fun. What, what, stats, what stats do you need to put up in order to win... Rookie of the year as a linebacker. Rookie of the year. Well, I would say um, tackles got to be above seventy, like total, n- n- not 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 like solo, but but total. I would say tackles for loss have to be above fifteen, 
we'll say. Um, and maybe, 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 maybe that's slightly high. I'm just kind of, kind of, kind of, you know, kind of airballing a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I just, I just bring that up because it is pretty hard for linebackers to win or defensive rookie of the year. Obviously, the last one to do it, I believe, was Shaq, uh, Shaq uh, Leonard. Uh, Getting used to that name. Yeah. Uh, But, uh, but that's just because he was a turnover machine. Like, um, and that's. That's what won him Defensive Rookie of the Year, you know. So that's why it's so hard for linebackers um, to get it because they just don't put up the sexy stats, you know. Like tackles, you know, that's not really a sexy stat. Turnovers are, though, because turnovers win games. So that's why Shaq Leonard won it the year he did. But, you know, it's it's a fun pick. I think, obviously, Hutchinson as an edge rusher has a much better chance to winning and – um, you know, it's it's blasphemy to to even compare Rodrigo to Luke Kinkley at this point. But yeah, yes, um, obviously. I mean Kinkley you know. is just so much so much bigger and just so much faster than this guy and then than Rodrigo. But you know, um it's definitely a, a spicy take, Sam. Sorry, I didn't realize that we didn't want spicy takes that are spicy take thing. Okay. But they gotta be um, realistic is the thing. Okay. Well Decker. <laughs> do you um do you wanna parade my corpse around as well or do you just wanna <laughs> move on? Yeah, we'll we'll take that take and we'll just throw that to the side for now. Yeah. Okay. Well well when Okay, my number Yeah, sorry, sorry, you go, you go, you go. Okay. My number two would be a guy that me and Wontog picked that as comeback player of the year for this upcoming year. Um, and I could see him even taking a step farther. I have Jameis Winston finds himself in the MVP race this year. Um, my reasoning behind this is he's definitely got a supporting cast around. There's no doubt about that. You got Michael Thomas coming back um, from injury with an ankle injury. You have Chris Olave, a first-round receiver, who they drafted this year out of Ohio State. And then you bring in Jarvis Landry from... Obviously, a veteran receiver who used to play for the Dolphins and the Browns. And um, Adam Troutman also coming back from injury at tight end, who was a pretty talented uh, pass-catching tight end. Um, and and also with the Saints, you know, staying in the house with Dennis Allen, their former defense coordinator, now promoting him to head coach. They kept Pete Carmichael, who was, um, who's been their OC since 2009, which... You know, it doesn't even feel like it because this is a guy that I'm sure a lot of people haven't heard of, and he never really gets interviewed for head coaching gigs. But he was definitely Sean Payne's right-hand man for many years, and, and the Saints keep him. And you know, th- this was a guy that very much helped out Drew Brees in his career, um, and and you know, took him to a Hall of Fame level as well. Just uh, being able to keep him at such great play all those years, and um, you know, obviously James is going to have his picks. There's no doubt about that. That's just the you know, James is going to throw a lot. He's going to throw a lot of touchdowns. He's going to throw a lot of picks, but. Um, I think maybe the picks could maybe take a little decrease down. I think it'll still be a you know, fairly you know, high number per se, but I think the touchdowns and maybe the yards, and with the team success, I could definitely see Jameis you know, surprising many and maybe putting himself in, in contention um, come year end with the uh, war voters. Now, yeah. didn't he, um, like, I think after like midseason, he had 14 touchdowns and three interceptions, right? Something like that. Um, let, me, let me look back. Because if so, it's, I know. Uh, yeah, I have a thought. Um, you know, we 
we see... I'm just going to play devil's advocate for both you guys. Because, you know, we see... Or we saw Jameis Winston holding back a Super Bowl caliber offense in Tampa Bay. You know, Tom Brady goes in there and wins them a damn Super Bowl. So, and you know, Jameis Winston did have that really good stat, stat line. But he was just really... Un, or really inaccurate last year in play. And, you know, if a few of those passes uh, end up, you know, a couple inches right or left, that's another pick to the total. So I think with a, a full year of play and even just like just a little bit more inaccuracy from Jameis Winston, I think you'll see those picks rise again to regular Jameis status. So. Um. Yeah, that that's just me playing devil's advocate. I really like Jameis Winston, though. I hope he, I hope you're right about him. But there's plenty, plenty saying that he just doesn't have the accuracy and the skills to catapult him to MVP. Yeah, that that certainly could 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 be an issue. Uh, Tyler, what is your moderately spicy yeah. hot take? So I actually shifted. I told you guys that I was going to do both Hertz and Lance would be MVP candidates, but, you know, that's just like throwing, like, spaghetti on a wall and seeing what sticks. I changed mine to one that I think both of you will like very, very much. Do you guys know before, or do you guys know before um, Cooper Cup who the last person was to get a Triple Crown Award was? Uh, oh, uh, exactly. Okay. Shit. Go ahead. Let's see if you know it. Um, uh, Calvin Johnson, right? No. It was Steve oh. Smith in 2005, and before him, it was Sterling Sharp in 90... Oh, God, what was it? 92? Eight. 92. Ah. And then before him was Jerry Rice in 1990, and then before him was Lance Allworth in 1966, right? So... We see this huge, huge, huge disparity of Triple Crown winners in the NFL for a good reason. It's a super, super hard award or thing to achieve. But I think this year will be the first time in NFL history that we see back-to-back Triple Crown winners. And this year, I'm sad to say it, it's looking like it might be Justin Jefferson. You know, he... Boom. If he takes the step to be the best wide receiver in the league, which, you know, very well could happen. You know, he he gets moved to a power slot position, which is kind of what he played in college and is what Cooper Cup thrived in last year. It is, the chips are in his, or, yeah, he's got, whatever that metaphor is, he is able to lead the league. If you don't know, Triple Crown is leading the league in receptions, yards, and touchdowns. And going off of Sam's first take, I guess, with um, Kirk Cousins throwing the most touchdowns, you know, most of those got to be going to Justin Jefferson. And, you know, all he's got to do now is is catch the ball and run with it. So uh, a lot more times, actually. So, But I think, um, like, just the evolution of football and seeing what Cooper Cup did last year, it's really got to excite you for Justin Jefferson this year. And, you know, if... um, if things translate well and he does play in the slot like Cooper Cup did last year, I think there's a very good chance that we see back-to-back Triple Crown winners, which is a very rare thing to happen. Uh, well, it hasn't happened before, so I think it would, I think it would just be cool to see 
just as an NFL football fan. I, you know, forget Packers and Vikings. That would just be a cool piece of NFL history to see. Yeah. So if I may say quick, um, I, I genuinely believe that uh, you picked us both apart and then you thought you didn't want to get picked apart. So then you changed your answer to something that <laughs> we couldn't possibly pick apart because right. it just makes me so goddamn happy. If you're right, man, mm, it's going to be a happy day in the Sam I mean, Lontar history, household. you know, to play devil's advocate to myself, history definitely says otherwise. But, you know, it, it would just be such a cool thing to happen that, you know, I would not care. So, yeah, Justin Jefferson, right. Triple Crown. We'll see. Right. And I think that's a fairly yeah. spicy take. I think that's pretty damn spicy. That is quite yeah. spicy. I mean, yeah, when Cooper Cup did it last year, I mean, it garnered just so many, so many headlines. Just it was the greatest it wide receiver season of all time. It's simple, easy, yeah. cut and dry, the best. Now, can we see just as good of a season from Justin Jefferson? I guess we'll have to see. Yeah. yeah. I guess sure. we'll, yeah. we'll see. We'll see in 18 weeks' time. Yeah. Now, to move on to our highest echelon of hot takes. I'd like to start us off, please, because my spiciest of the spiciest hot takes is that each division in the NFL this year will have a different winner. No one (laughs) is going to repeat as as a division winner. And now it sounds crazy when I say it, right? But it's not that far-fetched when you really think about what could change. You have the AFC West, and it was the Chiefs last year. That could easily be any team in that division, but I think it's safe to say we probably all agree that the Chargers have had the best chance. You have the AFC North. That was the Bengals. That could easily be the Ravens this year. You had the Titans last year in the South. That could be the Colts this year. You had the Cowboys in the NFC East last year. That could be the most complete roster in the Eagles. And you had the Rams in the um, Rams in the NFC West last year. That could be the Niners with Trey Lance and still Garoppolo backing them up. That could be the Niners winning that division. You had the Packers in the North. Man, you're really going to go division by division, aren't you? Vikings. Well, I have to prove the point, right? Um, and now these and and now these are the two where it definitely muddies up the wheels a bit. It definitely stops this from from being a solid, like, like yeah, that could definitely happen. But it could still happen. That's why it's a spicy boy. Um, you have the Bucks. The Bucks, you know, uh, Pan- Panthers and Falcons, no shot. But Saints could definitely come in, perhaps, and take it over uh, if Jameis plays well. Um I mean, especially since the Saints really can't seem, uh, or, or or the Bucks really can't seem to be, beat the Saints in recent memory. The Saints have kind of owned the Buccaneers, uh, and then the the one that kind of stops the wheels is uh, the Bills. But um, if Tua really comes off this year, Dolphins could could win the division. And never count Billy B out. I mean, I know I had them going like like six and eleven, but. But you really can't ever count out Bill Belichick. So that's why I believe that each division will, will have a new winner this year. All right. Um, that's definitely spicy, Sam. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, obviously, the big one, Packers are going to win the North. Sorry, cut and dry. End it there. Um, we are running out of time, so let's just quick deck. We'll touch on ours real quick and just give yeah, two quick thoughts. Um, I'll go first. My hottest take is that 
both teams in the Super Bowl last year, being the Rams and the Bengals, will miss the playoffs this year. Yes, I said it. They will both miss the playoffs. Now, this is more talking about the Rams missing the playoffs and, um, because, you know, we have seen some crazy things happen in the NFL. So who's to say that the hangover, Super Bowl hangover won't hit both of these teams? Rams, they, they have not great offensive line. It's below average. It's not horrible. It's obviously not like Raiders or Bears bad, but it's still not good. Cam Akers, when he came back um, from his Achilles injury, was super inefficient with the ball and looked like a guy who was coming off an Achilles injury, right? Never a good sign. So I think that rushing attack is going to be really, really bad, actually. I don't think they're going to have a lot of... Uh, a lot of momentum to pull from the run game. And not to mention, they lost a lot of pieces. They lost an all-pro, or an, uh, yeah, I guess, yeah, an all-pro uh, left tackle in Whitworth. Um, they just lost some interior guys um, from injury. And, you know, it's, um, Havenstein now is their best offensive tackle, and he's good. Um, but it's, the, the offensive line is definitely suspect for me. And going on to the other side of the ball, you replace Von Miller with, um, I forget his name, but it's some bum. You know, it's like Von Miller is exactly what this Rams needed to win the Super Bowl. He was the pass rush that was the final piece, and now they lose that. And now suddenly it's like everyone thinks that they're going to be the same team from last year, but they lost key pieces. You know, and Jalen Ramsey's going to move back outside to – because um, he was in slot cornerback. He's going to move back outside, and now I'm forgetting the other cornerback, but he's also a bum. You know, he's going to get burned a lot. And Bobby Wagner is so bad, okay? He is so slow and, like, just moves like a robot in there now. He's going to get burnt by Kittle and Ertz, I'm afraid. Maybe even Noah Fant. We'll throw him in there because and in this league, middle linebackers need to, need to, need to be able to cover tight ends, especially with how versatile they're being, they're they're becoming. So I think this Rams defense is going to take a step back, and this Rams rushing game is going to take a step back. Not to mention Matthew Stafford is having trouble with that elbow, which the Rams are kind of downplaying. But it sounds like the injury that would happen for baseball players in order for them to have a Tommy John surgery. So, you know, we might see... Um, we're definitely going to see a decrease in the Rams passing um, production as you know as is to happen when one uh, one person has the best wide receiver uh, season in history. Obviously that's got to uh, decrease or regress towards the, the mean, right? So in all, you know it's a it's a regressing offense and a defense missing pieces and they have a really tough schedule. I can see them missing the playoffs. And then the Bengals on the other side, you know, making the playoffs was like was like their ceiling last year, right? And now it's like this year, oh, they're automatically going to make it because they added some new pieces. I'm still suspect. I know, like we said in our predictions, you know, um, we, we both had good things to say, or we all had good things to say about the Rams and the Bengals. But just looking at them, you know, it's like, the big thing is that defense. Uh, how good are they going to be be able to play? Um, they're, I just, 
looking back at it, I'm just not sold on that pass rush anymore and that front seven. You know, Trey Hendricks um, had a good season last year. Just I can't see that translating over to next year. So I think just a bad, well, I should say bad, a below average, I'll take that back, an average defense with a really good offense just won't be enough to catapult them in a really, really tough AFC. So that's why I think both teams in the Super Bowl last year will miss playoffs. I definitely think that your Rams thing is more plausible than your Bengals. You brought up good 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 points. Oh for really? Rams. Definitely definitely questionable. Um uh definitely really? big Sam, because you have them going thirteen and four actually, so Well I mean yes, but that's why it's a hot take from you. And um I'm if you let me finish, I was just gonna say that I think it is odd. I think it's not super likely that, that both teams will like miss the playoffs entirely. I think they both still have enough talent to, to definitely get them wild card spots. But Rams is definitely more likely than the Bengals. I just think that like you said, that like okay. the biggest thing was key pieces and Bengals didn't really lose anybody they they, they, they But the thing really is only last year gained. last year we saw the Chargers have like we were like blinded by like their superstars that they had and kind of like didn't look at the holes that they had and we're like oh my god Chargers are going to be you know they might win the AFC West and they go and they miss the playoffs you know the same thing might happen to this Bengals team you know oh my god they got the star power on offense where is it on defense you know so I think that's why yeah that I think we're just kind of overlooking them like we did the Chargers last year okay those are some valid points for sure Deck, what's your spicy boy? Finisher off. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll I'll finish her off. I'll give a I'll give a good finisher here, hopefully. So with my third and last hot take, I have kind of on the same boat as Tyler. I have a team missing the playoffs, but I actually made this one a parlay. Ooh. I have the Bucks missing the playoffs. I have Tom Brady leaving after the year, and then the Bucks proceeding to go into rebuild mode. So, as your points with the Rams and Bengals possibly missing the playoffs. I think just as equally the Bucks could miss the playoffs. Um, to start off from last year, um, at the end of last year, obviously over the offseason, the first big news that went on, and, and most of the news this offseason for the Bucks has been negative news. And then obviously a lot of listeners might say, well, you know what, they have Tom Brady. How could they possibly miss the playoffs? Brady never misses the playoffs. Well, I'll give you an example here. The first negative news that happened was Bruce Arians resigning. You know, B.A., Super Bowl winning head coach, you know, great, great coach in that organization. He leaves, gets replaced by Todd Bowles. Stay in-house? Yeah, that's a good move to stay in-house for sure. But then that proceeds to get um, – then it gets happens where Brady retires, then unretires. So now Brady's back. But you look at the rest of that roster, it's like the negative news just kept on coming for them and not much positivity. Brady's best bud, Gronk, retires. Will it be forever? Who knows? I'm sure Brady could end up talking him out of it sometime down the road if Brady doesn't retire himself. Um, Leonard Fournette then comes into camp. Obviously, the news around Fournette was he came in overweight. He was, what, 260, 270 around there. So he came out and out of shape. Cheeseburger Lenny. Uh, cheeseburger Lenny for sure. Um, and then over the offseason, you know, him, uh, the Bucks and Shaq Barrett had contract disputes. He ends up getting franchise tagged. Uh, veteran leaders on that defense, and Adamic and Sue and um, uh, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul leave. They don't get re-signed. And the biggest X factor in all this is that offensive line. 
Their current offensive line, which would be projected to go into week one, would be Donovan Smith at left tackle, who's sure he's been a veteran there for, for many years. Luke Gadecki at left guard. Robert Hainsey at center. Two unknown names there on the interior. Shaq Mason, one of Brady's alignment from the uh, New England days at right guard. And then Tristan Wirth at right tackle, who obviously young Pro Bowl, great tackle, but dealing with injuries itself. You know, you you have Ryan Jensen, who's probably going to be out for the year with a knee injury. Uh, Ali Marpet surprisingly retires at left guard over the offseason. Alex Kappa, their right guard, leaves for Cincinnati. Not much just doesn't seem to be going right for this Bucks team at this point. Um, this could definitely be the biggest year where Brady's on his butt more than he is standing up. So I don't think it's out of the realm for the Bucks just this this exper- or this you know whole Brady era taking a major downfall this year where they could just miss all together and then I could just see Brady being like you know what a guy that you know obviously the rumors of Brady wanted to go to Miami over the offseason when he unretired and I could just see Brady being done with it after this year and then you know the rest of the players around him deciding to go I mean Shaq Barrett playing on the franchise tag he could definitely be gone next year Akeem Hicks they brought him from the Bears at nose tackle or DN I should say with Vita Vea nose tackle Akeem Hicks on a one-year deal. He there's he'll be gone. Levante David, I could see him being gone. A, a franchise leader there who could just decide to hang it up. And then you know Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Julio is a one-year experiment. You know maybe Mike Evans and Chris Godwin want out if Brady leaves, and, and Fournette maybe he would want out. It just it just seems to me I'm getting the vibes that after everything this offseason and not hearing as much excitement and buzz around the Bucks camp as in years before with Brady. Something just seems off about this team, and I just think maybe everything goes wrong, and and after this year we could be seeing them in rebuild mode again. You know what? I agree with you, but only if they make a deep playoff run. You know, it's like I feel like a team like that with all those veterans, they would think to themselves, you know, we didn't even make the playoffs, run it back, do it again. But, you know, if a team, like, I just I just can't see a team that doesn't make the playoffs just see that much turnover. Like, I get, like, rebuilding, but it's, I, I, I think, I don't see them missing the playoffs. I think they are going to make a deep playoff run, and therefore that's why I can see a scenario like this happening. Yeah, so, I, I think, yeah, go ahead, Sam. I, yeah, sorry. I, just to just just yeah, just to chime in and wrap up a little bit, it's like similar to what you said. Is like, um, I mean, I think that this that this whole rebuild scenario really really only happens if Brady does officially hang up the cleats, because a lot of those players came to Tampa because Brady was playing there, and then if Brady's you know gone for real, I I do think that a lot of them could definitely be seen leaving the fold. but um, and, and, I'm, and I'm not saying, like, Brady's going to retire, where he would just, like, you know, leave the Bucks as far as retirement. I'm just saying if Brady decides to play, I could just see him going to another team. Okay. So, so. Yeah, then, I'm, I mean, either way, it's like, I'm, I think if Brady leaves, I think a lot of those pieces would... What 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 would also choose to um to, um to head out as well, but and and I want and I want Brain Blady you know Brady this is like you know by far the least excitement going into his tenure there and you know as far as talent wise especially at O line and 
mean, I mean, sure, the depth there at receiver is great, but tight end, I mean, you're going to roll out Braid and Cameron Braid and Kyle Rudolph. Obviously, that can't excite Brady too much with Grock not there. So, yeah. offensive line, then that t- tight end wise, obviously, just can't bring too much excitement to Brady. And, you know, I, I would not be surprised, you know, even if the Bucks don't miss the playoffs, but if they get bounced in the playoffs, I could just see Brady too saying at the end of the year, you know what, I won a Super Bowl here first year. We had a good little era here. But I think my time in Tampa has just kind of run its course. And maybe if, if I decide to keep playing, if he's thinking, maybe let's just go try it on a different team. Yeah. That's definitely possible. Well, I I mean, it is possible, but it's also spicy. And boys, I think we all brought some good spicy takes for this episode. Um, and I hope, uh, this might be a hot take, but I hope that you all enjoyed listening. Um, thank you for all uh, stopping by, and you have a good night, everyone.